Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Jeff Merchant, former chair of the Utah Democratic Party, Leah Murray, director of the Walker Institute of Politics and Public Service at Weber State University, and Thomas Wright, local businessman and former chair of the Utah Republican Party. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight for this very special episode of the Hinckley Report. Tonight, we're talking about parties. All of you have been connected. Two of you have run parties here in the state of Utah. I want to get into how influential they are, what kind of impact are they having, and what can we see for the future? Jeff, let's start with you. You've, you've run the Democratic Party for the state of Utah. Ex explain kind of where parties are in the system right now. Yeah, I think that we're in this really strange uh, phase right now for political parties. Certainly we're not in the Tammany Hall days anymore. Uh, parties have lost a lot of influence and a lot of power and yet still have enough control that um, in my mind, they're really kind of messing around with our system. And we're seeing uh, greater and greater challenges for uh, Republicans in particular. We saw that a couple of weeks ago with oh, yeah. the speakership. The speakers and uh, I think that we can see a lot of that in the Democratic Party as well. You know, um, I think that everybody, I could be wrong, but I think everyone would admit that we have more than one party within each of the parties. And so the question is, do we really have a two-party system or are we really looking at more of a coalition type government um, that as individual parties, we haven't reconciled ourselves to? Uh -huh. uh, Leah, looking through this lens for the state of Utah, of course, we'll talk about how our demographics break out here too, but is, is that an interesting thing to hear the former chair of the party, the Democrats say, we know there's a, a large supermajority in Utah of Republicans, but even within the Democratic Party, you have divisions. Yeah, no, and I think that makes sense, right? I think the problem with a two-party system is it, how do I say, aggregates a whole bunch of different interests, right? So the reason why each party has so many different versions of itself Right is because there's so many different versions of how we could think about policy and our interests, and we're just hanging out in a team together in an attempt to win an election. Uh-huh. Go ahead, Thomas. You know, I was just thinking back to Citizens versus United. I think that was a Supreme Court decision in about 2010 where super PACs came onto the scene. And when super PACs came onto the scene, the political landscape shifted. Corporations and people who had been very active in the political party found another avenue. They could set up a PAC, they could donate through the PAC, the PAC could give to the candidate, and they could have more direct influence as they saw it. And that really reshaped political parties because prior to that, what you had is you had those same people and organizations donating through the political parties. So political parties really shifted after that. It was a big unintended consequences of Citizens versus United. And I saw it as chairman, I still see it today. Uh, parties have shifted dramatically because of that and they're still reeling from that. They're still trying to find their identities. Well, how, how important is this label now when it comes to the national politics? I mean, people still seem to say, I'm a Democrat, Republican, or I'm unaffiliated. How important it is ultimately, well, like when you're, when you're voting, yeah. Thomas, because it still it's, feels like it's, it's, you know, it's still a two-party system. And 
you know, you can like that or you can not like it, but it is. And this is where I, I've been preaching this since I was chairman of the Salt Lake County Republican Party in 2009. All these volunteer positions that we've held to try to have an impact. Um, every citizen has such a big impact in a political party. And what I would like to see happen is to see the return of everyone to their political party. If people start participating again, things in the political parties will change. The political parties will be more relevant. The candidates will be more reflective of the people that participate. But the problem you have now is you have more and more people not feeling like they, they align with a party. They're stepping out of it. And the party is having an even bigger problem than it had before. So don't get out of the parties. Get in the parties. Fight. Go be heard. Let your voice be heard. And the party will be more reflective of what you believe. Yeah, I also wanted to add just right here, I think one of the issues is that the political parties are very nationalized. And quite frankly, not every policy is a national policy. And quite frankly, not every policy should be, right? We are a two-party state, but we are also a federalist system. And to a certain extent, issues that matter in Utah should not be the same issues that matter in, I don't know, Virginia. Mm -hmm. But a little bit of the messaging around the parties right now is though there's two national brands Right? And then the inside of states, we don't necessarily fit with those brands. So the reason why people feel disconnected is whatever it means to be a Republican in Utah is probably a little different than a Republican in Alabama, but I'm being told this is what it is to be a Republican, some nationalized message. I think that's part of the problem as well. Yeah, that's totally true. I think that this idea that all politics is local does not exist right now. Uh, maybe we'll get back to that one day. Huh. Maybe it exists at some level, but not in terms of national politics and not in terms of party brand. And I think that, I mean, I might push back a little bit on what uh, Thomas is saying. I'm not 100% sure, particularly on the Republican side right now, I'm not 100% sure that, that the party can bring itself back together. I mean, you've got these MAGA types. I mean, listening to Matt Gates the other day say that MAGA Mike, like if you don't think that the Republican Party is the MAGA party anymore. There are a lot of Republicans that don't believe that. And I don't know how they're going to be able to reconcile those differences without one side or the other side walking away. I just don't anymore. I always love when the former Democrat chairs analyze the yeah. Republican Party. Just because I'm right on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but, but the point is, I, I think uh, Liam made a really good point. There is a Salt Lake County Republican Party. There's a central committee meeting. They were talking about county issues and, and, and what's happening in Salt Lake County. It was the one that I went to. There are vibrant parties out there. The the problem is we don't have enough participation. And so when you don't participate in your political party's process, you might not like the process. It might need to be changed, which is another reason to participate to help change it. But when you don't participate, you abdicate your voice to somebody else. Somebody else is there and they will vocalize how they feel and it might not be the way you feel. So a little bit of participation can go a long way for people that feel like their parties are not representative of them. Don't give up on them, go be a part of them. That's how I initially got involved. I was really, truthfully, not that partisan. I'm a, I'm a staunch conservative for sure, but I wasn't willing to let my voice be abdicated to somebody else. And then I ended up being the chairman of the party. That was never a path that I saw myself on. And, and, and nobody out there needs to do that for sure, but, but a little bit more participation would go a really long long way locally and nationally. Uh -huh. Let's break this out a little bit too because uh, to see where people in Utah are because it's it's not a often well-known number here. There's been a red state for some time. Lee, I want to ask you how this break, breaks out. But as of today, Utah, I just want to get to the numbers. 50% of the, the voters say they are Republicans, 30% unaffiliated. That's what's interesting, 30% unaffiliated, 15% are Democrats, 5% other. Everyone doesn't realize that that's the breakout right there. So how does that fit in when you 
have a significant portion, 30%, that really don't at least uh, claim they are one or the other right now. Yeah, but don't you think a little bit that's about being a Western state? So I'm just going to say, municipal elections in Utah are nonpartisan. I grew up in the state of New York. Municipal elections were partisan. So I think there are elections that matter in this state that you don't have to be a partisan for. So that allows some room for people to be unaffiliated. I don't know. But I think they probably have a team. Does that make sense? But they know they don't need it for every election. Um, and so I think it's that kind of Western vibe of parties aren't as important or as embedded as I used to see back east that affects those numbers a little bit. But, but Jeff, of course, to that great point, you do, you're going to have to affiliate to vote. Well, certainly on the Republican side, you do. Republican if, you side, vote, yes. if you want to vote in a that's primary, what, what you meant, do. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, look, I think there's also this element of people being sick and tired of partisanship and the Republicans and Democrats. I mean, a, a recent poll um, that Pew did showed that over 80% of people think that the parties exist solely to bash down the other party, and they're not, either of them are doing anything. And so mm -hmm. I think that there are a lot of people that are being turned off because of what was said earlier, which is this idea that there's just too many things that one party is trying yeah. to do. Okay, well, we have students that are talking to us. Oh, go ahead, Thomas. First. I was just going to say, I think if we all sat down, we would agree on probably a lot of the issues. Like, if we back of the napkin sat down as political parties and leaders in Congress, we could solve most of the country's problems. And this idea that partisanship exists to raise money is real. It's real in Washington, D.C., and we have to be really cautious about falling for that. Because at the end of the day, nobody wants our country to be $33 trillion in debt, right? I mean, we could go down the list, and both parties are to blame for that, by the way, which is nauseating as a Republican that I have to admit that, right? I mean, we're the party of fiscal conservatism, and we have just as much to do with the national debt as the Democrats do. We have to admit that. But back of the napkin, I think we could solve a lot of the country's issues if we just put the weapons of pol politicism down, right, the polarization. Um, and then we can get to the last 20 percent. We can have a healthy debate. Uh, but right now, they're, they're, the D.C. and the politicians are leading us to believe that the 20 percent is 100 percent, and it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. There's a lot of things that we could agree on, and we could move the country forward. Uh -huh. This sort of conversation trickles down into our students. Lee, you do such a great job with your students at Weber State. We have one uh, from the U. Our, our student body president submitted a question for us today about this very issue. Let's watch that, and if you will respond, Leah. Hi, my name is Jack O'Leary. I am a senior studying economics and political science. I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, and I am the student body president this year for ASUU. Talking about government, uh, partisanship is at an all-time high, uh, not only in Utah, but uh, across the country. How do you think we can tackle coming together as Americans and decreasing partisanship in our elections as we approach the 2024 election with Joe Biden and Donald Trump leading both parties' respective polls? Oh my gosh, right? I think he reflects just what I hear from my students, yeah. which is these are very old men. <laughs> you know, a little bit. I think young people don't see themselves in who's running for office, right? Um, and so they feel very alienated from, like, how old is Joe Biden? I mean, he's an octogenarian, right? And to a certain extent, Donald Trump's not that far behind him. Um, so a little bit, I think they see parties as old, outdated. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and they kind of conflate that with the octogenarian class that we've got, yeah. you know, wanting in Washington. Well, and the words political parties use, like caucus meetings and state central <laughs> committees. I mean, it sounds like something out of the Soviet Union, truthfully, right? And so, you know, there, there is an appeal to a younger group. I was just at a high school class, which I love to go and do, uh, speaking about politics and how our political system in Utah works, trying to encourage them to participate, regardless of what their ideology is. And we need to do more of that, right? Because like I said before, if we don't get more people participating, 
participating, then the people that show up are going to run the political parties. So we all have a responsibility to go out and get involved. It's interesting, Jeff, because even as we're talking about trying to be not so partisan, even in that question from this from the student body president, it brings up a couple names that tend to pull you to a side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's true. And I think the one thing we haven't talked about in this whole discussion of parties is the influence of media, yeah. Um, yeah. whether it's, you know, the, the far right wing side or the far left side, um, you know, the influence of, uh, you know, cable news and the sources that we get our information and the way that even, um, you know, the Internet pushes certain articles to us or certain ideas to us is also an element of this that is pulling us further apart instead of bringing us together like Thomas is talking about, right? I agree. We could solve yeah. a, the vast number of issues yeah. that we've got in this country with really very little and the, disagreement. And, and Jeff, I agree. This is why we need new people. Got to stop electing the same people if we want a different result. The people inside government hand the baton of power to each other. They coronate each other. It's happening right now. Just look at what's happening in the state of Utah. We need new people that have fresh perspectives that don't want to be career politicians. They want to get in and serve, and they want to get out. And until we have that, we're going to have the same problems we have right now because they divide us in order to control us, to raise money from us. Yes. And we have to see through that and start to change that. Of course, Leah, the parties are not exactly set up to allow the old folks to get taken out. Right. No, I love how what you're saying, right? Because the answer is, if we had stronger parties, maybe this is the answer, you might not like this, but <laughs> part of the way that we do this is we allow voters to choose the nominees for the parties. That allows the media in, that allows the money in, right? Whereas if we went back to Tammany Hall and party leaders chose your nominees, then you might actually have some reasonable conversation around who would be a good person to represent us. Maybe it should right. be a new voice. But the fact of the matter is the way that it's set up now where we use primaries generally, right? I know that we use caucuses in Utah, but like generally using primaries, it's name recognition. Mm -hmm. It's how much money do I have? It's how many ads can I run? And then, of course, that bleeds into, right, the same people over and over and over again. It does. And, and what that does is a lot of people think, oh, these two candidates, I don't like either of them. And they get disenfranchised with politics. But instead of getting disenfranchised, we need to get them involved a little bit sooner so they can have a say in who the two are. And I've talked a lot about this in the high school I was in this week that I just referenced and with my kids and their friends, trying to teach and educate that you can, you can have a say in who the two are if you just get involved a little bit earlier in the process. But if you just wait till November and you wait till your ballot comes in the mail, you're probably not going to like the two choices. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to earn the right to complain about that, in my opinion. you got to earn the right by being involved just a little bit sooner. And it doesn't take that much time. It doesn't take that much energy. But if we could inspire this generation and our citizens that they could have a huge impact in the two-party system and they would show up, we would see different outcomes. Mm -hmm. if, if we look at, go ahead, Jeff. If you look at the, the parties, the media, the candidates themselves, I want to use them through some statistics that are not all that great in some recent polling that happened nationwide. This is the AP NORC, NORC Research Center. 78% of uh, voters in the country think we're heading in the wrong direction. 60% of Americans believe their family income is falling behind the cost of living, and only 30% felt that like they are keeping up. So talk about that. I mean, it's a little bit, I mean, is it too much to say who's to blame for this? I mean, this is a pretty big number across the board. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anyone not to blame for it. I, mean, I think that, you know, yeah, we're in a situation where, you know, we've had a Congress that hasn't been able to function for a couple of weeks. We've got, you know, 
major international incidents that are going on and nothing's really happening. And I think that in part what people expect is um, for right or for wrong, that they, they go out, they vote, mm -hmm. and the government does its job while they go and they do their job, yeah. right? They take mm -hmm. care of their family, they do all of that. And right now, we really don't have a government that's doing that job, their job. Now, you can blame Republicans, you can blame Democrats, but at the end of the day, um, like we've been talking about, I think there's a lot of work that could be done that everyone could agree yeah. on, and we just are unwilling to do that. Well, not, maybe not us, but certainly the politicians are unwilling to do it. I, I want to play a clip, which is interesting. Senator Romney weighed in on this just a little bit about some, he gives some labels to certain elements of the party itself about who's there and who should be there. Thomas, if you'll watch this and give us a thought about where he's going and what the ramifications may be. Well, there's no question but that the Republican Party today is, is in the shadow of Donald Trump. Uh, he is the leader of the greatest portion of the Republican Party. Uh, it's a populist, I believe, demagogue portion of the party. Uh, look, I represent a small wing of the party, if you will. I call it the wise wing of the Republican Party. Uh, and I don't believe we're going away. I think ultimately we'll see a resurgence and come back into leadership of the party. Uh, look, uh, my wing of the party talks about policy and about issues that will make a difference to the lives of the American people. The uh, Trump wing of the party uh, talks about resentments of various kind and getting even and, and settling scores and, and revisiting the 2020 election. What are the policies for the future? And my party is only going to be successful getting young people to vote for us if we're talking about the future. And that's not happening so far in that other wing. Go ahead, this is one of the things that I've always loved about the Republican Party, truthfully, is that there's a lot of different voices and there's a lot of different people with a lot of great ideas. It is the party of the big tent. You can come into the Republican Party, you can have a difference of opinion, you can vocalize it, and you can fight to change the party. I love, I've always loved that about the Republican Party. So here, uh, Senator Romney's making a point about the leadership of our party. Uh, Donald Trump is our leader. He looks like he will be the nominee, so he's not wrong about that. And he's offering some suggestions on how, what his perspective is in moving it forward. But Jason, when you read those statistics that 78% of the country thinks we're heading in the wrong direction and that 60% of Americans are falling behind with their wages, I, it's just absolutely devastating for me to think about that. A majority of our households out there are struggling under this inflation and this just crushing economy that really has been created by President Biden and his failed policies. And, and, and because of that, you have a whole population of people out there that feel like this country's leaving them behind, and that's devastating. And we, uh, every one of us, should stand up and fight for uh, for those those policies that will alleviate that burden because that is a heavy burden for American families and that's really what government is all about is making the lives of its people better and right now our government is making the lives of its people harder and that's not the way that it's supposed to be. So Leah, what's interesting is uh, a note from Senator Romney right there about how we need to get our younger people involved and engaged. Uh, with the students you talk to, uh, give, tell us about your conversations there, because I want to think about people who are watching right now who may feel like it's so polarized that they don't want to participate, particularly the younger voters. Yeah, but I would argue, so I guess I would push back just a little bit. I think the political elite are polarized. Okay, so I don't think American voters are polarized. I think the people who make bank off of us politically, right, like when Senator Romney talks about populism, like what makes that work is when I'm yelling at you and I get everything all keyed up and everyone's all raring to go. But I think mostly, you know, in my classes, most of my students are Republican because we're here in Utah, um, and they get along fine with the students who are Democrat, and there's no rip-roaring right. debates and no one's yelling at each other, and we have great conversations about policy. 
they are all turned off by the noise, the cacophony at the top where political elite, in order right. to make money off of us, is screaming at each other, right? So when I hear Senator Romney talk about wise Republicans, I get what he's saying, right? What we need is some kind of more decorum. You know, George Will uses that word, decorum in our politics rather than this rabble-rousing. Find common ground first try to work toward what you can agree with and then do the other second. But we talked about it earlier. We, we can't let Washington, D.C. divide and conquer us. That's what they want. They want us divided so they can raise money, so they can maintain power. Just one quick statistic. I think the approval rating of people's members of Congress is in the 60s and 70s. But of Congress as a whole, it's like 10%. So in other words, we think Congress is the problem, but not our Congress person. And, and I think we need to really look at that. And we need to look. And we need to look at the behavior of everybody that's there. And we need to ask ourselves the question from our own perspective, are they part of the problem? As we perceive it or part of the solution as we perceive it. And we need to put new people in there that are interested in creating solutions and stop the partisan fighting that's not creating any outcomes for Americans. I, I still, though, would, would submit that at the end of the day, I mean, I, I agree with that. But, I mean, look, we've got three members of our own uh, caucus here in Utah that voted for a man to be speaker who is an election denier who um, is a full supporter of Donald Trump, who's under, you know, not one, not two, but four different, um, you know, criminal trials right now. And I think the reality is, is that um, despite the fact that I think most of the public would like to see um, people just go and get things done, we still have a presidential candidate on the Republican side who has a lot of support. We still have a candidate on the Democratic side who has a lot of support. And they're the same two people that, that ran four years ago. And so I think that, um, you know, I, I want to say that it's just the elite. I want to say that it's just, um, you know, the people with all the money. But certainly something is going on where there are a lot of people like us who are supporting these folks. Uh -huh. So, so Leah, how, how do we sort of emerge above those that are peddling division? Because that is certainly out there. Well, first of all, you have to watch the Hinckley report, right? Oh, yes, so, of right? so I think, the, I mean, but to the, the, the real, I mean, that is my answer. The answer is to be a critical consumer of the information, right? So what I always teach my students is they're making money off of manipulating you. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be a regulation to stop them from manipulating you. So you have to know what's happening and take the moves, right? Like you have to be a critical consumer of the information to protect yourself from it. And then I guess, you know, slowly, Right? We get enough citizens in the system who are participating early, like Thomas says, um, that are critical consumers, yeah. and then maybe we start to right this ship a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's talk about those access points, because let's just take the, we, we want the people to stay engaged and, and to overcome some of those d divisive uh, approaches. So how do we access the system in a way? It's, it's, it's voting, yes, but as particularly you two as head, head of the parties in the past, Give us some counsel. For the people who are watching right now, how do they engage more than just with their vote? Utah's divided into about 2,100 neighborhoods. We call those precincts. And every other year, in even years, so we're coming up on it, we have caucus meetings. Those are just neighborhood meetings where neighbors get together, uh, members of the party, and they elect delegates that go represent them at the county convention and at the state convention. Go to your caucus meeting and make sure the two or one or three people, it's one, two, or three usually, make sure those people really represent you and your views. Ask them questions about policies and positions and tone and temperament and character and make sure they're representative of you before they go to the convention. You don't need to go yourself. You just need to spend one hour every other March 
to make sure that the people that come from your neighborhood are representing you and your values. That is the best place to start if you want to make change. Because those delegates ultimately rep uh, nominate and elect the national delegates, go to the national convention. So really, it all starts right there. Go and participate. It's one hour every other year. Jeff? Mm, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that to an extent. I think that, um, you know, I mean, I've been shouting that. I'm sure that Thomas has for years and years and years go to these caucus meetings. It doesn't seem to be working. And the real problem is, is that I think that what we've seen with the, the caucus system specifically is that it has empowered people on the fringes of the party mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to kind of take control of the party superstructure. Now, obviously, if everybody went to those caucus meetings, things would change. But um, in, in my opinion, I, I would prefer to see the legislature just get rid of caucuses altogether. Let's just go to a primary system. I think that would be the best way uh, to resolve uh, these kind of issues. I know that there are plenty of people that would disagree with me uh, on that in the state of Utah. But I don't know if that's really the best way. I think that the best way to get people involved is to start getting them to actually run for office themselves, get people that are normal, everyday Americans, everyday Utahns, everyday St. Georgians or Sandyites or Salt Lakers or whatever they're called to start getting involved and, and actually running. Because until those people start running, the people that are in power aren't going to listen. Once that happens, I think that that's when things really start to change. Okay, Leah. Oh, I mean, I think, I'm sorry. Like, I would stay with caucuses. I don't mean to, like, so, um, because it's building community. And I do think the most important things that happen to us happen locally. And it would help us to know what are the issues in my neighborhood? Like, where are the potholes? Where, I mean, all the things that we can have in common so we could find the agreement in the disagreements that we have. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that would rebuild this republic bottom up. I think it's mm -hmm. the only way to save it. It's good. We can certainly model civil behavior and the way that we should approach these. In, in our last minute and a half, I'm just kind of curious. If you see people uh, in both parties kind of unitedly saying they're not completely happy with the direction. Is there a moment there where a third party could emerge? A third party candidate, Thomas, could it happen? I don't think so. I, I, and I'm not saying that I don't want it to, so to speak, like, but I just haven't, it's never happened. All they've done is played the spoiler. Ross Perot, you know, defeated Bush, who got Clinton elected. Third party candidates usually play the spoiler role. They have unintended consequences of shifting the outcome of the mm -hmm. race. Um, but I, I really do believe that rather than all these, like, having the legislature tell a private organization it can't hold caucus meetings, which I'm opposed to the government having that kind of overreach or, or reaching into private organizations, just participating would change all this. Mm -hmm. All we have to do in this current system that we have is just get people to go. Imagine if everybody went. You know what I mean? How different it would look to the people yeah. who, you know, you got to earn the right to complain. I say that, and I'll just close by saying, I've knocked on a lot of doors volunteering in my time. And the people who complain the most at the doorstep don't know that I'm holding a clipboard or an iPad uh -huh. now that That's shows good. whether or not they voted, and usually they don't. Yeah, uh, participation is it. This going to have to end it. Thank you so much for this conversation tonight. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review. 